0: I feel kind of like God. <laughs> and then this man with the devil on his hand came and took the hat. Free Britney. Free Britney. <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> Be, careful. Be careful. You never know when you might get dead to death. Well back to Burnin' Urban, a dab-to-death miniseries. I am your host, Nick Nobody Savage. I hope that you've been Burnin' the Urban since we last met, and I have to ask, have you picked up any mysterious hitchhikers lately? We've had a local legend from here in California, a legend from the great outback of Australia, even a legend with versions from around the world. This week's urban that we'll be burning hails from close to the heart of the nation in Fairfax County, Virginia. And it is the initially bizarre sounding tale of the bunny man. As far as what I'll be burning this week, I've decided to cater to those ballin' on a budget. Do you like to get real, real high for real, real low? Well, then you'll love low, low premium indoor flower. They believe in keeping you high, and prices low. That's right, Lolo Cannabis. That's uh, lolocan.com or at lolocannabis, and that's L-O-L-O. The strain I've got is Gelati Sherb, coming in at 26.44% total cannabinoids. Uh, it is an indica, so one of my favorites. And I've got it rolled up in one of the Kong natural hemp wraps again. Uh, I really liked the the smoothness of the Kong wrap. Uh, you know, the the of course the taste of natural hemp is always nice. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not super big on like really flavored, like artificially flavored blunt wraps. You know, I like to be able to taste my weed. You know, but yeah, I'm gonna spark this up and then we'll get into the. Uh, Burnin' Urban. Now, uh, as far as how the weed looked, um, you know, Lolo does usually give smalls in their bags. uh, So little tiny nugs. Um, the, the gelati, sherb. I ended up with two different strains. I have the gelati sherb and the runts. Um, initially I was going to go with the runts because it seemed a little, little softer, a little fresher. Um, but in the end I went for the gelati sherb because I just liked the smell a little bit more. It was a little more intriguing to me. And, uh, had a really nice purple coloration around it with a good trichome layer, so I was really just trying to, I was really drawn in by that, and I decided to go with the Gelati Sherb instead of the Runts. Even though the Runts came in a little bit higher of a, a THC percentage, I decided to sacrifice that for uh, trying something, something a little different. Alright, let's get into the tale of the bunny man. While at first, it almost sounds like something cute or humorous, once you realize that the story is about a deranged lunatic in a bunny suit attacking people with an axe, it becomes a lot less cute. Unless you're like me, then I think that's just hilariously adorable. Like I said, I'm getting Donnie Darko vibes, you know. Anyway, this urban legend hasn't been around that long compared to some of our other ones, but for over 50 years now, this bunny's tail has bounced around our nation's capital. Well, if you didn't like that one, you're going to hate this one. So where did this hair-raising story come from? (coughs) Anyway. For as we all know, the trees from which urban legends grow often find their roots in real life. Well, when he ended up working as a historian and archivist at the Fairfax County Public Library, Brian A. Conley set out to answer this very question, mainly because he was tired of having to respond with, I don't know. When people would inquire if the legend of the Bunny Man was real, growing up in Virginia, <coughs> <coughs> oh, oh, that one one day down wrong, woo. Growing up in Virginia, Brian first heard the story as a teenager in 1976. As he heard it at the time, the Bunny Man was responsible for the deaths of at least two kids in the Clifton area, but was possibly responsible for the disappearances of several others. Perhaps parents were using this urban legend to try to make their kids behave, which, honestly, that's what a lot of urban legends usually are, is like, Stories that parents came up to keep with their kids in check, you know. You know, if your kid's terrified that Krampus is going to come and throw him in a sack and beat him with a stick, then of course they're going to behave all year. (coughs) Oh, shit. (coughs) it's a pretty good blunt. Actually, pretty smooth. Anyway, before we talk about how the story evolved over time and how the Bunny Man became darker and more terrifying, let's talk about the OG legend. Brian Connolly was able to sift through the layers of this story and pan out the little nuggets of truth from them, tracing the Bunny Man legend back to 1970 when two events occurred within 10 days of each other in Fairfax County. During his research, Brian came across an article in the Washington Post from November 11, 2000 that highlighted a collection called the Maryland Folklore Archive. (coughs) 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 Oh, fuck. (coughs) Jesus. This was a collection... of research papers from the 1950s to 1990 written by students from three different Maryland universities covering various local legends. In 1973, Patricia Johnson, a student from the University of Maryland, submitted her entry to this archive titled, The Bunny Man. In her paper, she summarizes her findings from her interviews with 33 students ranging in age from 15 to 18 years old from Prince George's County, Maryland. Garages, George's. Geroges George's. Fuck me. Maryland, how do you pronounce that? <coughs> Jesus. One of the things that Brian noticed was that from the 33 students that Patricia interviewed, she somehow ended up with a total of 54 variations of the story. This happens a lot with urban legends. You know, you get one original story and then it's kind of like playing telephone. Every time you pass the story along to somebody else, they pass it along to somebody else, but then they change something and then they change something and then they change something. And next thing you know... What started out as, hey, can you pass the butter, turned into, hey, I like to nut in your mother, you know? Anyway, moving on. Where was I? Oh yeah, when he broke down all of the stories, he was able to sort them into categories based on the similarities in the stories. Despite the fact that one of the most notorious versions of this story is of how the Bunny Man's malicious spirit still visits the Colchester Overpass now known as Bunny Man Bridge, on Halloween, where he once murdered two children and strung up their skinned corpses. Only three of the recorded stories actually mentioned a murder. Eighteen of the stories involved the Bunny Man scaring and chasing people, mostly children, with an axe. That is one thing that is another constant in a lot of the Bunny Man myths. The axe. There were also 14 versions of the story that described the Bunny Man carrying out attacks on cars. And more specifically, 9 additional versions that talked about him attacking couples in cars. So, 5 of the stories also resembled the second origin incident, which I will discuss in a moment in that the bunny man is reportedly vandalizing homes or other buildings. As you can see, a lot of the different stories will often bear similar components with others. Out of all 54 variations, there were a total of 14 different geographic locations where the story occurred, most of which were within the Washington, D.C. and Virginia area. It was while reading over Patricia's paper that Brian also noticed that she had first heard the tale, I'm going to stop using that joke, I swear, the tale of the bunny man around Halloween of 1970. With this in mind, he began digging through newspaper archives from the time period. This digging actually paid off a lot sooner than he expected, and he came across an article titled, Man in Bunny Suit, in Fairfax. The article detailed an encounter between an Air Force Academy cadet, his fiancé, and a man who may or may not have been wearing a bunny suit. Like, an actual bunny suit. Cadet Robert Bennett and his fiancé were parked in their car late on a Sunday night in the 5400 block of Guinea Road. And before you assume the same thing that I did, I doubt they were trying to bang because it's a pretty residential area. I I looked. Google Maps. Yeah. As they're sitting there, they had noticed some movement in the bushes outside of their car. All of a sudden, a man dressed in a white bunny suit comes running out, yelling something about how they were trespassing on private property, and he had their, quote, tag number. I'm assuming this is like a license plate number. The mysterious assailant then hurled a hatchet through the passenger window, shattering the glass and terrifying Robert and his fiance. After throwing the hatchet, the mysterious bunny man, quote, skipped off into the night. And they really fucked up and missed an opportunity here for a great joke. I mean, come on, it's a grown ass man dressed as a rabbit. How did you not use hopped instead of skipped? Come on. Luckily, neither Robert or his fiancée were injured by the hatchet or the exploding glass, and they then reported the incident to the police. During their statement, Robert was absolutely certain that the man had been wearing the bunny suit, but his fiancée insisted that the man instead had some form of a white caparot. Uh, and I had to look this up, and apparently a caparot or caparot, caparot, whatever, is um, <clears throat> it's a little awkward. It's a conical shaped cap that is usually worn by Catholic penitents. But yes, it was stolen by the Ku Klux Klan. So, has nobody considered the fact that this was possibly just a KKK member chasing some people away from his property? Or what he assumed to be his property, or thought was his property? Brian thought that would be the end of the Bunny Man story. But he continued to dig a little more and found another article titled, The Rabbit Reappears telling of a strange encounter with a bunny man. Paul Phillips was a security guard for a construction company, and one night he came across a man in a gray and white bunny suit as he was patrolling a construction site, also on Guinea Road very curiously. But anyway. So he described the man as being around 5 feet 8 inches tall, weighing about 160 pounds, And in his early twenties, as he approached the man and began speaking with him, the man began to chop at the porch of one of the unfinished homes with a long handled ax saying, all you people trespass around here. If you don't get out of here, I'm going to bust you in the head. Phillips then said that when he went back to his patrol car to get his handgun, uh, I'm sorry, what? to go get your handgun that sir is exactly why you were a security guard and not a fucking cop like why did you not have your gun on you already (sighs) anyway so by the time the guy went back to his patrol car to get his handgun the bunny man had run off into the woods so it was definitely strange that there were two bunny man encounters within two weeks of each other on the same road but police were unable to find anything in their investigation. Over time, the story began to evolve, inspiring the urban legend as we know it today. The bunny man went from being a simple man in a rabbit costume, or a KKK member, to an evil specter that haunts the bridge where he murdered two children. Perhaps he is the ghost of an escaped lunatic who lived in the woods, Surviving by eating rabbits and leaving the corpses littering the ground. Or it really was just a guy in a bunny suit, so. That was the story of the Bunny Man. Yet another episode that could leave you all hopping mad. (laughs) If you have any feedback about the Bunny Man legend or any encounters yourself with the Bunny Man, you know, maybe you've been one of those people who was lucky enough to get to the bridge on Halloween. That's another thing I tried to look up because I was like, you know what? Once I heard the Bunny Man bridge thing and I was like, all right, so they say if you go to Bunny Man bridge on Halloween at midnight, that the Bunny Man will appear and murder you and string you up. Or, you know, attempt to or whatever, you know, but apparently the bunny man legend is so prevalent in that area that the police actually every Halloween shut down the entire area. They do like, what was it like a 16 block roadblock or mile roadblock or some, some crazy amount of fucking distance. Like they do a really big roadblock around the area. So you can't drive into the area. Um, so I'm assuming you'd have to walk and I don't, I don't know if that's worth it. But yeah, I just think that's a little ridiculous that you can't just let people go to the bridge. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? Some people are going to go hang out at a bridge on Halloween. Whatever. Unless you really think that the bunny man's going to come and kill everybody. Then what are you hiding from us? What are you not telling us? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So. Like, oh shit. I think I need to put that out. Like I said, if you have any feedback on the Bunny Man legend, or if you have any other urban legends you would like me to cover, please send them in to feedback at dabtodeath.com. But first, let's pick next week's episode. Alright, so we've got here the Big Book of Burning Urban, a.k.a. the Encyclopedia of Urban Legends by jan Harold Brunewand. Our friend in Urban Legends. And uh let's start flipping through the book. And stop. Ooh, and we are uh, landed on the Dybbuk box. So uh I don't know if you're familiar with the divic boxes but uh it's a supposedly a spirit trapped in a box or like a demon trapped in a box. So another supernatural uh urban legend there seems to be a couple of those popping up which is funny because a lot of urban legends aren't supposed to be supernatural. But yeah, we keep landing on them. Hmm, interesting. But yeah, so join uh, join us next Sunday for the Dybbuk Box. Um, that ought to be a really good one. I'll try to dig up some interesting information on that. And you can tune in Thursday for Dabbed Death, which will be the story of Robert Hansen, uh, who was an Alaskan serial killer. So check that out. And like I said, if you have any feedback, send it into to feedback at dabtodeath.com, or you can just message me on any of the social medias at Death. Unless you're on Instagram, then it's at dabtodeathpodcast. If you could rate and review, it would be greatly appreciated. And if you could tell a friend about the podcast, that would be great, because burning urban is always better when we're burning together. So until next time. Keep burning the urban.